Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We will. The dear little sprites had no idea that servants were not as nice parts to play as master and mistress. So one was Bilo the nurse and put on a cap and shawl and took some very young moss folk into the doll's nursery to play be the fine people's children. Another was cook and clattered the pans about in the kitchen with a big apron on and her little dress pinned up. A third was Dimity the maid, very smart indeed and full of airs. A stoutish moss boy was coachman and began to rub down the painted horses and furbish up the little carriages in the stable, while another with plump legs put powder on his head and played footman. Prance and Trip took the hardest parts of all, for they said they would be master and mistress. There was no trouble about clothes, for some fashion books lay on the table, and these queer little things only had to choose what costume they would have, when lo and behold, there it was all made and on. Marty didn't think them half so pretty in the fashionable finery as in their own simple green suits, and she laughed heartily at the funny mistakes they made in getting their furbelows and feathers properly arranged. Poor Prance quite gasped in his little broadcloth suit as he put on a tiny beaver, smoothed his gloves, and shouldered a doll's umbrella, saying so like Marnie's papa that she quite started. Mrs. Prance, I wish to dine at three. Don't be behindhand. Yes, dear, meekly answered Tripp, who had whisked into an elegant morning dress and cap and nodded from the window as Mr. Prance went by to his office. "'What will you have for dinner, ma'am?' asked Skillet the cook, popping her head into the parlor where Madam was playing reading a novel on the sofa. "'Mercy on us! I'm sure I don't know!' And little Mrs. Prance ran down to see what there was in the pantry. Mr. Prance was evidently not a good provider, for all she could find was a pea which came out of one of the boats, some jelly, sugar, milk, and cake, which Marnie had been playing with, and a whole dinner in wood painted brilliantly and stuck on to the dishes. It's a rainy day, and no one is likely to come for dinner, so we will have a peas pudding with jelly, 
and warm up these dishes, for everything is very high. We must economize, said Mrs. Prance, shaking her head, just as Mama often did when she visited the kitchen. Very well, ma'am, returned Skillet, retiring into the closet to eat cake and jelly and drink the milk as soon as her mistress left the room. It's time to dress, I suppose, for someone may call. Get out my blue silk and lace-headed dress, Dimity, said Mrs. Prance, going up to her chamber, too busy about her toilet to mind the baby who was crying in the nursery. Lace me tightly. I'm growing stout, I do believe, and my figure will be ruined if I allow it said madam, and Dimity squeezed her into such a light dress that Trip got a pain in her side directly. I can bear it a little while, but I don't see how ladies can do it all the time. It's dreadful, she sighed as Dimity piled her pretty hair in a fuzzy bunch on the top of her head and hung jewels in her little ears. After putting costly bits of lace here and there, and poking her tiny feet into high-heeled boots that made her totter when she tried to walk. These and her train nearly tripped her up, for if Dimity had not caught her, Mrs. Prance would have tumbled downstairs. Hardly was she safe in the parlor when the bell rang, and Button showed in several very fashionable ladies, who sat down and began to talk about dresses, servants, gentlemen, and the opera so exactly like some of Mama's callers that Marnie wondered where the sly little moss people could have been hiding to know how to imitate them so well. As soon as one lady left, all the rest said sharp things about her, and when they got out, after saying goodbye most tenderly, they all abused Mrs. Prance, who said to herself then alone, "'Tiresome, ill-natured creatures. I can't bear any of them.' But I must return their calls as soon as my new bonnet comes from Paris. By the time the last gossip was gone, it was past two, and Mrs. Prance was dying for her dinner, being quite exhausted. Imagine her dismay when her husband arrived with two gentlemen to dine. She clasped her hands and flew into the kitchen, where she found Skillet fuming over the little stove and scolding because it wasn't a range like the one she used in her last place. Everything was in confusion, and the prospect of dinner a gloomy one. "'We must have soup!' cried distracted Mrs. Prance. "'No meat to make it of, ma'am,' said Skillet crossly. "'Boil two or three of these caraway seeds in a pot of hot water. Pepper it well and add the leg of that fly to give it a relish. Then call it by some French name and it will be all right, returned Mrs. Prance, who was suddenly inspired by this bright thought. Dissolve some of the jelly for wine and send up those nuts and raisins for dessert. Do your best, Skillet, and don't keep us waiting." I'd like to give you a week's warning, ma'am. The place don't suit me, said the red-faced cook with her arms akimbo. Don't be impertinent, Skillet. You can go tomorrow if you wish, but till then, behave yourself. And Mrs. Prance retired with dignity. 
Dressing her tired countenance in smiles, she went to welcome her undesired guests and thank them for this unexpected pleasure. Mr. William Wisp and Mr. Robin Goodfellow were two very elegant little gentlemen with ruffled shirt fronts, eyeglasses, and curled-up mustaches, quite splendid to behold. They chatted with their host and hostess in the most affable manner, affecting not to see that Mr. Prance's face grew more and more stern every minute, and that poor Mrs. Prance cast despairing glances at the clock, which plainly said half-past three. It really was becoming awkward when Buttons announced, "'Dinner, ma'am!' and the cloud lifted suddenly from the faces of all. Skillet had done her best, fearing she wouldn't get her wages if she didn't, and the first course did very well. Greasy warm water flavored with pepper was so like a French soup no one knew the difference, and everybody took a few sips and pretended to like it. But to airy creatures fed on sun and dew, it wasn't nice, of course. There was no fish, for the tin ones melted in the frying pan, and there was no time to get any more. The wooden leg of mutton got burnt in the oven, and the painted vegetables were not very satisfactory, though they looked quite fine. Mr. Prance frowned as he chipped away at the meat, and Mrs. Prance wanted to sob behind her napkin as he gave her a black look, saying sternly, "'Mrs. P., your cook is unbearable. I desire that you will dismiss her at once.' "'I have, my dear,' meekly answered his wife. And then good-natured Mr. Wisp struck in with a droll anecdote, while everyone pecked at the painted feast and was glad when the pudding came. Here was another blow, for instead of leaving the pea in its skin and sending it up a nice little round pudding, Skillet had taken the skin off as if it was the cloth it was boiled in, and nothing remained but a mealy ruin. Mrs. Prance groaned and then coughed to hide the sound of woe and served out her dish with the calmness of despair. The jelly didn't go round. The cook had eaten so much on the sly. And when the wine came, Mr. Prance looked disgusted. It was so weak. However, the nuts and raisins were all right. And after one sip of currant water, in answer to the gentlemen when they drank to her health, unhappy Mrs. Prance left the table, wishing that she had never been born. Trip was a clever little sprite and entered into the spirit of her part so heartily that she really dropped a tear or two as she sat alone in her fine drawing room. Presently, the gentlemen came to say goodbye, for they were going to try Prance's horses. Tired Mrs. Prance wished her husband would ask her to join them. A drive would be so refreshing, but he only nodded grimly and went away without a word. Mrs. Prance immediately took to her bed, for she was to have a party in the evening and feared she never would live through it if she didn't rest. But very little repose did the poor lady get that afternoon, for the children acted as if possessed. Flibberty Gibbet fell off his rocking horse and broke the bridge of his nose. 
Midget set her little dress afire and frightened everyone out of their wits. Puppet ran out of the back gate and was lost for a whole hour, while Wee Wee, the baby, had a fit, owing to Mrs. Bylow's giving him a 